In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending August 7th, internal memos released by the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee reveal the Army Corps of Engineers believes EPA's Waters of the U.S. rule will not hold up in the courts and that it grossly misinterprets the Army Corps data. Colin Woodall, Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says this is an extremely interesting development. When you have internal core memos that have been provided to the House Committee on Government Reform and Oversight, and they tell a very interesting story. They talk about the fact that the science is not there to support what EPA has done. They don't believe that this rule is defensible in court. And more importantly, they even said that they want their name, their logo, and any reference to their involvement taken off. So I think that that shows that, once again, this rule is flawed, the process has been flawed, and we have to get rid of it. That's why we are supporting an effort by the House of Representatives to request an OIG, Office of Inspector General, investigation into these processes, specifically whether or not EPA went beyond their authority in getting groups to submit comments to support the rule, basically lobbying on their own behalf. I think that will also, along with these memos, show that we have major problems with this entire process and why we need to get rid of this rule. Multiple lawsuits have been filed against the EPA in an effort to stop the rule, including one that NCBA is a part of. We do believe these memos will be a big part of this particular uh, lawsuit that we have filed, and I think it definitely helps our case as we continue to find a legal way to stop EPA. But that's not the only way that we need to engage. We need to continue to get Congress to help us understand that they, too, play a role in trying to shut down EPA. So while all of your members are at home during August for different town halls and different events, make sure that you get out there and you visit with them face-to-face and tell them when they get back to Washington, D.C., They have to engage to stop the EPA. Woodall says the next steps in the process focus on two things. One is the lawsuit and getting an injunction to stop enforcement, because without that, enforcement is technically supposed to start on the 28th of August. We have submitted a letter to both the EPA and the Corps asking that they delay implementation just because of these memos and a lot of internal memos that we have seen from EPA stating that they're not ready to implement this rule. But the bottom line is... We have to rescind this rule. This rule needs to be pulled back. That's the only way that we are going to protect ourselves. And that's why when Congress gets back in September, that needs to be a priority to stop this rule, pull it back, and basically just keep this madness from moving forward. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association, along with the American Farm Bureau, is calling for immediate withdrawal of the final waters rule as enforcement of the rule is set to begin August 28th. And while on that topic, this past week, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee passed the Sensible Environmental Protection Act of 2015, which basically blocks EPA pesticide permit requirements for spraying near navigable waters. The fight started a few years ago when EPA decided to require permits for pesticide spraying on, over, or in the nation's navigable waters. The bipartisan bill eliminates what opponents argue are redundant federal permitting requirements for pesticide applications. Here's American Farm Bureau Executive Director Dale Moore. The label on any pesticide you buy, particularly the restricted-use pesticide, is the law. It tells users, you know, what to follow, how to apply the pesticide, all the different rules they have to, you know, and requirements they should follow to put that in place. So our position is that, you know, the law is already there. The agency already has the authority. Now, the House and House Ag have taken a similar stance already on this, which Moore says is truly a bipartisan issue. And I think what has raised the profile, this is yet another one of those regulatory creep kinds of issues that 
not unlike the big fight we've got going on over EPA's efforts to expand their jurisdiction under the Clean Water Act uh, and the big waters of the U.S. rule, this is a symptom of that process. It will likely take a 60-vote supermajority to pass in the Senate, and more hopes there are enough farm state Democrats to make that happen. Well, efforts continue in the process of trying to build a better peanut, and Tyrant Spearman has the latest information, which was presented during a meeting held this past week. Steve Brown, the chairman of the Peanut Foundation, told the shelling and buying point industry this week that the genomics project is designed to build a better peanut through genetics. He explained that the research project is a conventional breeding program to get the right traits that the industry deserves. It's not a GMO or genetically modified. He said the peanut is a difficult crop to work with because the genome is a tetraploid, meaning they've got two pairs of different sets of chromosomes. Uh, so in working with them, it's very difficult. The soybean has only one, and they, they have mapped the genome of the soybean. Brown said that after the scientists map the genome, then the uh, phenotype must be determined by how a trait is expressed in the field. Some markers on uh, in the genotype have already been identified, such as leaf spot resistance, high oleic, and even resistance to nematodes, and even tomato spotted wilt virus. He says it's an exciting era in peanuts in this research area. We are confident this will lead to many new developments in the peanut world. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Kathy Isom tells us how officials are setting up what could be called an early warning system for avian influenza. Officials are setting up for what could be called an early warning system for the bird flu. Right now, scientists are pretty sure there's no high-path avian influenza virus in the U.S. So our real risk is what would come back through the migratory flyways. Dr. David Swain runs the Agriculture Department's Southeastern Poultry Research Lab. He says migratory birds brought the virus here as they flew north last spring. That could happen again when they integrate south. Surveillance programs are being set up across southern Canada and northern U.S., uh, even down the Atlantic Flyway coast, trying to get a handle on is the virus in birds that are migrating or not. And if the virus is identified in particular flyways and geographic areas, then there should be information disseminated within those geographic areas for farmers to be extra vigilant in biosecurity. A sort of early warning system. Of course, the best outcome would be that... Hopefully the virus will self-burn out in wildlife populations. I'm Kathy Isom. Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Ever Grinder talks about the growing enterprise of oyster farming. It's aquaculture, not agriculture, fish farming. More appropriately, seafood farming. Because oyster farming is the fastest growing part of aquaculture. It's doing well in the Chesapeake Bay region, growing rapidly in Mississippi and Alabama. The Apalachicola Bay area of North Florida is one of the oldest oyster farming areas in the U.S., but Water quality problems have plagued that region for a couple of years now. But back to oyster farming. It does more than provide a seafood specialty. Oysters help keep the waters clean. Oysters feed off the plankton in the water. Oyster farming is hard work, not something a person would just jump into to make a lot of money real quick. But it is a vast market. And from Virginia to Texas, all along the Atlantic and the Gulf Coast, Oyster farming is a growing enterprise. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Greiner, Southeast Agnet. You can hear those reports and more from this past week on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.